Hello, my name is Sumit Bose. Welcome to another edition of the Net Hero podcast. Now, today's one kind of follows on from last week where we looked at trading and carbon credits and the whole sort of carbon markets. Today, we're looking at something I think is going to be really important and certainly is going to be uh, big news, not just here, but also in America, where our guest is from. And that is about carbon capture. Now, carbon capture, you may have heard of it. Um, basically, sequestration, it's got many names. It's a way of taking the carbon out as a byproduct. And this is the big thing about kind of, if you look at, you know, coal mining, everyone says fossil fuels are really terrible. They are, in a way, what's worse is, the, is far worse is the emissions that they produce. So as a byproduct of factories, of smelting, of steel, of mining, you get a lot of carbon dioxide emissions. Clean coal is a term that's been used around. That means capturing that. We also talk about kind of could factories and maybe housing estates, you know, where they have uh, emissions. Could that carbon be captured? And it's something that the UK government has been really uh, pushing forward uh, under Boris. Now, what happens under Liz Trust, we're not too sure, but it is, you know, an area that the UK really wants to get involved with. And today I'm going to be exploring that with uh, a company, uh, US-based company that's doing sort of similar things, but also providing the ability for people who capture that carbon to have sort of carbon uh, tax credits. We'll explain all of that. So joining me, I'm delighted to say, from the US is Jeff Allenson, who's the director of Delta Clean Tech. Jeff, thanks very much for joining us on the Net Hero podcast. Yes, good afternoon. I'm very pleased to be here today. Where are you based? Where are you right now? Because I know yeah, it's, it's evening for me when we're recording this and I'm about to have a beer, but it's, you're just the working day is beginning for you, isn't it, Jeff? It is. Yeah, I'm actually located in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Uh, oh, we're wow. actually a Canadian-based organization, but we actually have offices in the U.S., in uh, southern United States, in Houston area. Uh, we're also located in the U.K., the U.A.E., China, and Australia. Ah, uh, apologies. So you're Canadian actual listed company, are you? Well, we are. We're we're yeah. trading on the Canadian exchange under the symbol DELT, in case yeah. you want any further information on us. And uh, our website is deltacleantech.ca. Very good. Good plug. I like it. Let's, let's get it out of the way. <laughs> right. <let's, laughs> Buy our stock. Up. Yes, that's a good no, idea. Why not? Exactly. Right. <laughs> let's talk about this idea of carbon capture. Now, I gave a sort of ham-fisted account of it, but you're the sort of specialist. How would you explain to a, a normal person who's not in the world of energy what carbon capture is? Well, you know, carbon capture, believe it or not, has been a, the whole process has been around for over 90 years. And what we've done as a company is we've taken the basic post-combustion amine process and uh, we've taken it and we've improved it. And what we've done is we've uh, used oil field technology to to modularize this process, basically building all the units on a skid in a factory setting to try to reduce costs and using a lot of off the shelf uh, parts and pieces, whether it be pumps, whether it be control systems, et cetera, so that we can substantially reduce the, the capital costs. We've also looked at ways to reduce the operating costs by by uh, preserving the solvent and having patented technology that can reclaim that solvent so that it isn't admitted into the atmosphere, looking at different kinds of blends of solvents that we can make so that would optimize 
the different kinds of flue gases that you talked about earlier, whether it be a, a flue gas from a coal plant or a, a flue gas from a steel plant or, or, or a gas plant or whatever, you design your solvents accordingly and then you uh, implement them in the plant. Now, the process is very simple. If you can visualize two columns, the first column is called a absorber column. Right. And what you do is you inject the flue gas into the bottom of the absorber column. And then from the top, you drop down that specific solvent I was talking about. Yeah. And what that does is it absorbs the CO2 out of the flue gas. And then what happens is that what they call rich solvent then goes over to the second column, which is called a stripper column. And then you add heat to that. And then that boils the CO2 off. And then you recycle the solvent back to through the whole process. So it's a, a circular type process. And it's a very efficient way to do it. It's 99% commercial now. So we're not talking about a science experiment that some of our competitors might have. This is something that's proven, can work very well. It's very efficient. It's very cost effective. And, and basically, been, yeah, to, yeah. Do the, to do the basic 101 science on this, what, what yep. you're saying is whether it's a, a factory, whether it's a plant or whatever, that the gas that comes out that we would see coming out the chimney and you know the terrible pictures we see of those things emitting, you, yep. you put something, you pipe that stuff into a, a, a column and then you, you bubble that out. So you basically extract that with this solvent. Then that means that the carbon dioxide in it, the emissions is been, let's say, let's be honest, emissions is much more than just carbon dioxide, but the majority of, of it is what we call the greenhouse gases that gets captured, yeah? That's what you're saying. So that that chemical process kind of takes the CO2 out of that gas and traps it in the liquid. It does. And then what, what comes out of the top of that absorber column now yeah. is just oxygen, a nitrogen, and uh, very small traces of the solvent. So right. what you have basically is you've got, a, when you talk about a carbon-free or net zero, yeah. You really got your emissions really become zero then for that plant. And yeah. then you take that CO2 and you, you do uh, whatever with it you're going to do with it. Well, that's what you I was going to say. What, what do you yeah. do with it? Because people say, all right, you've got the CO2 and I guess you compress it back from a gas into a liquid. But then where, where does it go? Because some people say, you know, here in the U UK, they're talking about pumping some of that into old um, oil and gas mines that we have in the North Sea. And, sequestering it is a phrase that people may know that you know you put it back inside rocks or you capture it in something or could sure, you, reuse you know, it reuse it in industry what, what can you do with it well that's the really interesting progress that's been made over the last couple of years um you know we were part of a, a competition called the x prize competition the canadian government went out to the worldwide market and said you know give us your best proposals as to what you're going to do with this co2 yeah, it was a, there was about 140 applicants that applied, and out of those, they selected five, and and it was basically for a 10 million dollar prize. And so they they came up with some really interesting new uses of CO2. Uh, there was things like uh, turning it into carbon nanotubes, mm -hmm. uh, turning it into things like uh, ethanol and methanol. Like they even make a CO2 vodka, believe it or not. <laughs> that would uh, be an interesting one. Yeah, there's things like injecting it into concrete and making that concrete a little stronger, right. a little lighter, uh, and that it's permanently good. sequesters that CO2 in that concrete. Um, yeah. There's things like graphene, and there's yes. all kinds of really, really interesting. And of course, there's the, then there's the standard ways that they've used it in the past, 
you know, making it into food grade, because as you know, you know, if you, if you drink a beer or you've yeah, got carbonation in those beer, that really, you know, where the, that carbonation does come from a smokestack somewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that's, that's using our process. So uh, yeah, carbonation's one, but also the biggest use of CO2, and you mentioned this earlier, is, is you, if you put it down into an old oil well, they call that enhanced oil recovery. Yes. And basically what happens is that CO2 acts like a solvent and it kind of dissolves the oil that's in, in place. So you can take a dead oil well and if you inject a ton of CO2 in it, what you can get is about five or six additional barrels of oil. So that's really, really amazing because there was some dead oil fields in Canada that we weren't getting any oil out of. And now uh, they're producing as much oil using CO2 as, as they did when they originally drilled those oils, so oil wells. So it really becomes a real efficient way to not only sequester the CO2, because eventually some of that CO2 ends up staying down the hole. Mm-hmm. And then you just recycle the CO2 and you keep doing this. And uh, at the end of the day, then you then you... Can, you can put many millions of tons of CO2 down hole and it stays down there. After a while, it turns into a rock called calcium carbonate. And then, so it stays down there forever. So really interesting new ways. And, and what this really does by having commercial uses of the CO2, it allows the company to offset the cost of capture. Now, here's, here's the point. Now, and, and I want to explore that in a moment, but the big criticism for a lot of people on this, particularly environmentalists would be, now, my personal view, I'm going to be very nice, very personal on this podcast, is I actually believe that carbon capture has a role to play, right? And I, and I think, you know, although I'd love the world to be completely run on new renewable power, and I'm, I'm quite a big believer in nuclear personally, you know, we're a long way from that. I don't particularly like oil and gas. And the criticism that's thrown is actually what carbon capture does, it's, it's a license to do more fossil fuel. So how do you answer that argument that a lot of people, particularly in the UK, are against it for that environmentalists because they think it's A, expensive, B, it's, it, it's not 100%, and C, the biggest problem is it encourages more people to drill more holes looking for black stuff. Well, you know what? I, I, I have to say that the argument that it's not a good thing is not valid, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, we need all kinds of energy sources, whether it be wind, solar, whether it be nuclear, you know, there's lots of very interesting things that are going on right now for fusion power, for example. In the yeah. UK. And, you know, you need all of these things because we're very energy hungry as a world. Mm. And, and what carbon capture does is it allows the world to have a bridge while it takes while we you know, like from, I was just reading some articles in some of the UK research on, on fusion power and, they, and they've been able to create fusion now for like five seconds. Well, yeah, you know, that's yeah. great. But is that something that will turn on a light bulb right now? And the answer is no. Right. It needs another 10, 20 years, maybe. Right. Yeah. So or however long it takes. So what do you do in the interim? You, you'd still need power. You know what we found, like there's some really good examples of where your grid becomes too much, say, wind and solar. Uh, like, for example, in, in the southern United States, when it's been really hot or really cold, yeah, and they have a lot of solar power and a lot of wind power, they weren't able to meet when the, when the, all those ener- additional energy demands happened, uh, you know, they weren't able to meet uh, their, their requirements for power. And so some of the, uh, the, the, the local uh, power producers that used oil and gas to, to provide spot power were, were able to charge outrageous amounts of money because mm. there wasn't enough power to mm. be able to meet. So when you have these brownouts, you do need some of this, so this interim power. So I can see where environmentalists are coming from. 
because if you can capture the carbon, people go, well, it's, as you say, you know, you've admitted there's a little bit of salt, but there's other, there are other chemicals. It's the same thing around fracking. People have a problem with here, whereas, as opposed to probably in, in North America. But that the argument that, that they say that this encourages us for more extraction of fossil fuels, you, you don't think that's what you're saying? It's going to happen anyway. We, 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 let's do it cleaner. Is that, is that what you're trying to say? You know, you, you have to have everything. And, you know, just to say you, you can't have oil and gas. I mean, let's take the example. Let's say everybody doesn't want to burn fossil fuels in their cars. So mm. the alternative is you buy a, a Leon Musk car made with a battery. Yeah. Well, you know, where where's does that the, power where, come from? Where's right? that lithium? Yeah, we've, we just done a story on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, where does that power come from? Well, it's mm. got to come from a, a power plant somewhere. Okay. Mm. Well, what's the power plant? How are they going to generate the power? Yeah. Yeah. You know, is it is it going to be uh, is it going to be coal? Is it yeah. going to be natural gas? Yeah. Is it going to be nuclear? I mean, every one of those powers has their negatives, right? Of I course. mean, nuclear. What do you do with the, dispense, the waste? Yeah. Uh, yeah. With the waste, right? Uh, solar. Uh, where are you going to get all the land you need and uh, for all those big wind turbines? Um, you know, yeah. you have enough water power to run a, a hydroelectric dam. You know, all, everyone has its trouble, right? And this is the thing that, you know, we've always believed in a balanced thing, but it's it's one of those things. Um, what I want to explore before we talk about the carbon credits and things, you know, obviously you're Canadian based, but you operate in America. Now, we know young Mr. Trudeau is slightly more kind of perhaps a bit more aligned with, with European thinking, but he's still, you know, there's a lot of oil and gas in, in Canada for sure. And the States up until recently was clearly heading down the more extraction route. Although saying that, as you said, places like California, I was there not that long ago. I mean, masses of solar and wind and everything like that. But with the new, well, it's not that new, but the Biden administration now giving the go ahead, you know, passing the Climate Act. Do you think that North America in a whole will see a change? Because there's still, you know, compared to us here in Europe, you do have far more of the oil and gas. You've got far bigger players. It's a bigger industry. It's worth more money. And generally, there I say, far more people are just kind of used to that. Your cars are bigger, all of that. So where do you see this change in legislation? Do you think it might trigger in North America, America particularly, but Canada as well, a, a, a transformation the, the way that we're, we're trying to do in, in Europe and particularly in the UK? Well, you know, I have to say from, from Canada's perspective that we're actually, I, I would consider us one of the leaders in the world. Um, Mr. Trudeau and his government has is, uh, is supported a, a very interesting uh, uh, carbon tax uh, that's started off at $50 a ton for emitters, yeah. and then it's going to increase to uh, uh, $300 a ton by 2030, and or sorry, $170 a ton by 2030. So, you know, in, in, in addition to that, they've introduced programs, uh, various grant programs that will actually finance about half the cost of a carbon capture plant or a wind and solar plant. And uh, they've, they've also introduced a 50% tax credit for any, any investments you make. So, you know, our company has been in the business for about 17 years. And, yeah. you know, and over the last year with the introduction of that, all of those tax measures those that's what i call the carrot and and the stick right you've got a little bit of carrot in the incentives and the stick and if you don't do it you're going to pay the carbon taxes right yeah of course there's probably being more 
uh, more companies approach us in the last year than about the last 10 years combined. So it's amazing amount of additional business that, that's been developed um, because of this. Now, yeah. now there's there's one other factor that's that's really driving this whole thing as well. As you probably heard, they call it the ESG movement, the environment yeah. and social governance. Yeah. And, and basically, you know, what, what's what's happening there as well is the capital markets uh, in New York and in London and, and in Canada are saying, you know, Mr. Oil and Gas Company, you know, we want you to be environmentally responsible mm -hmm. and you have to have an ESG plan. And if you don't have a plan, we're not going to invest in you. So when you add up that, and you add up the incentives and the, the carrots and the sticks, this is really driving the industry. Of course, you know, they don't have it as much in the United States, but they do have the recent programs, you know, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act that was just introduced and the 45Q. Uh, both are very, uh, you know, tax incentive things. And that's kind of woken up the beast down there as well. You know, they're not as far as long as Europe is uh, or Canada, but, you know, they're, we're getting a lot of inquiries out of the U.S. right now as well so you know it's it's a it's a very encouraging uh thing that i'm seeing from our company's perspective and we're hiring engineers as fast as we can we can find them so in terms of this traction because if you look at all the data it's really interesting right so globally and we should talk globally you know this podcast goes out everywhere the, the general gist of the narrative is america pollutes a hell of a lot so does china India, Brazil, blah, blah, blah. And the, you know, the cleanest stuff is happening in the Scandi countries of Europe and in Europe. But actually, if you look at it, Germany's got a lot of coal that burns a lot of lignite. Um, China does the most renewable of anyone on the planet. It's, it's, it's investing hugely, as is huge swathes of, of America as well. In a global picture, this carbon capture element of our pathway to net zero your business, right? At the end of the day, clearly there must be some sort of sense that this is, as you said, a transitional way for us to try and still do the oil and gas, but make it much, much cleaner. That, you know, interesting comment. I mean, I, I have to 100% agree with what you're saying. I mean, in the United States, you know, it's it's more about economics than it is about anything. Of course, of course. And but and, it's about economics everywhere, Jeff, isn't it? Really, but I mean, yeah, yeah, and 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 I mentioned earlier about the X Prize type of of projects that you can in, implement in addition to capturing your carbon. So if if I can come to you with a scenario and I can say to you, uh, Mister U.S. Emitter, yeah, I can say to you, you know what, your directors and your shareholders are saying to you, you have to reduce your emissions. Mm. That being being fine, you know, they've said that all along for the last ten years, but. Now I can also show you, you can capture your carbon, but you can actually make money doing it. That becomes a different scenario. And I think there's a lot of new technologies now that are that are going that way. And they're creating valuable commercial products out of CO2 and, and sequestering it at the same time. So that's a win-win for all the way around, isn't it? Yeah. So if we look at it, the other criticism about the technology is it's expensive, carbon capture. It takes a lot of infrastructure. You can't do it everywhere. You can only do it in big, you know, industrial units, industrial places. And it's not that reliable. Now, you kind of said that at the beginning, you said we're sort of 99% uh, reliable. Now, I take your word for it, but obviously you've got to have some science to back that up. How do you deal with the criticism? Because 
I remember we went to, uh, I think it was Norway, to film a, a huge uh, trial plant that was built to try and capture CO2. And we saw loads of the experiments, pretty much what, you, what you've talked about. But that, you know, didn't really get anywhere to become commercially viable. Um, what do you say to people who say it's too expensive and the technology is not reliable? Well, I think those are really unfair comments. I mean, you know, as far as reliability, there's been lots of plants now operating for many years. I mean, we've been working on a plant that's a CO2 capture plant that's been capturing CO2 in California uh, since 1975, and it's been operating since then. So it is commercial, it is reliable, it's, it's, it's been working for many years, and it's cost-effective. I mean, they use the CO2, and they, make, uh, they mix it with uh, calcium carbonate, and they, they make soda ash out of it. And soda ash is used in the glass-making industry, for example, and other things. Yeah. So, you know, is it expensive? Yeah, but you know what we've done, and I told you, talked a little bit about that earlier, is, is the fact that, you know, if you can offset your costs, that's one thing. If you do, if you make it modular, like we're working on, you know, we, we feel that we've been able to reduce the capital costs by around 30% and the operating costs by probably 40%. So, you know, it's like anything, you know, the more of these you build, um, the, the cheaper they become. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. get to reduce the costs over time and, and you get more efficient at it and you get to build it in a, in a factory setting with uh, using, you know, sort of line techniques and different things to reduce the cost. So, yeah, you know, is it, is it costly? Yeah, yeah, it's it's costly, but you know, it's coming down all the time. And the more efficient solvents, what you can do is you can, you know, I mean, there's a couple of ways, significant ways that you can reduce the cost of capture. Like, for example, if you're able to integrate, you know, you require a certain amount of steam to strip the CO2. I'm talking yes. about the stripper column, right? So you need some steam. So where does that come from? Well, well, if you can integrate it, say with the heat of the of the flue gas, which is very very hot, say 160 degrees C. If you can integrate that heat, then you can create electricity, and you can also create steam that you need uh, for for the plant. So that's one way you can do it. If more efficient solvents will absorb more CO2 and will strip at a lower temperature. So, you know, looking at all the different things, you know, that you can do, can you run the plant more efficiently uh, doing different things? Can you use better packing materials that absorb better, you know, uh, lots of things, you know, so is it, it's, it's, it's an ongoing thing to improve it just like anything, no, but, you know, the more right. of these you build, the, the, the better it's going to be and the cheaper it's going to be. What are you doing as, as a company for Delta Clean Tech about your own carbon footprint? Because obviously, as you said, all of these processes require energy. So are you getting it from kind of your own solar energy on, on the plant batteries? Are you having to use oil and gas based generation to do it? How do you make sure that your solvents and all the stuff that you use, you're cleaning up yourself uh, as well as helping other companies? What are you doing about your own carbon? Well, we're an engineering company, so we don't actually admit ourselves. But I mean, what we're what we're doing as a company for our customers is a lot you of have, you'll have a supply that... chain. You'll have all the stuff that you, you know, you you produce the energy you use uh, when, when you're making your 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 products and. Yeah. shipping them around that there's a carbon cost to that you know every time you put one of your you know your stacks on a on a on a, on a truck and send it somewhere well obviously you know everybody's is is looking at that how do we reduce our carbon footprint you know yeah. can we introduce a uh, you know an electric car for example or electric truck 
to deliver it? Or can we, can we like, a, I, I think the biggest thing that we're doing specifically and what we're doing is, is trying to use the existing, uh, like let's take a, a coal plant, for example. Yeah. When they, when they, when they're generating electricity, they're using steam that they, that they've created by boiling water from, from coal. Right. Yeah. And so what happens is once that steam goes through the turbine, and generates electricity then that steam comes out it's still there but it's it has less less force right but we as a company can use that waste steam and we can use it for our process so instead of having to generate our right. own steam, gotcha. yeah yeah we can integrate, generation right yeah yeah we can integrate with that plant in some form or another can we and then we recycle our solvents we we recycle the water like you know when you have a flue gas for example uh, it has water in it. So what happens is, is that we can take the water that comes out of the flue gas and then we can recycle that water and we can put it in water balance so that we don't have to require any water, nor do we have to give off any water. So we aren't sort of polluting any rivers or putting it down a hole or, or anything like that. Yeah. And you, you solve them. How do you get them? Where do they come? Are they manufactured by, you know, just a normal chemical plant and stuff like that? So yeah, yeah, they're manufactured by, you know, like Dow or, or Huntsman yeah. or yeah. whatever. And, and normally it's made out of natural gas. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing that we can do in the end from environmental perspective is, you know, what's been happening in the past is that a lot of companies have been using their solvents and then throwing them all down a hole somewhere. Tell me about it. Yeah. So what we do is our patented technology is we have what we call a reclaimer system. And if you want to think about it, it's, it's like a human kidney is mm -hmm. that we take a slipstream of the solvent off all the time, just like your blood, and we put it through our reclaimer system. And then we get rid of all the impurities in it uh, so that um, so that solvent becomes almost brand new. Uh, and then we put it back into the system. And then there's a very small amount of waste, like all the particulates or the sulfur or anything yeah. that comes out of the flue gas, then goes into a five-gallon drum, and then it can be incinerated or it can be disposed of, uh, you know, in the best way possible. So you're recycling the solvent. So if, if it's a very effectively run system, you know, you don't have to replace your solvents. I mean, you can effectively uh, just do a small amount of additive every once in a while just to top things up and reuse the same solvent. So these are all the things we look at to, to try to be, you know, uh, energy and, and environmentally, uh, you know, sustainable. I suppose this is the thing, and you said it earlier on, which is there's a cost to everything, whether it's putting in a wind turbine and, you know, the concrete that goes into holding that there, a nuclear plant, the, where's, the, where's the silicon and the, the materials for the LEDs and the circuits in uh, a photovoltaic and everything. But I suppose the thing is, the moment you mention the words oil and gas, they, they trigger a reaction in people. And, and that's where, I suppose, there's an argument here, you've given a good argument here of all the kind of facts and science and economics of it. But there's an emotional argument that still mm -hmm. needs to be won with, I think, a lot of the public when it comes to carbon capture for the oil and gas industry. Well, you know, that's a very interesting comment. I mean, the coal plants were the bad boys before, and now it's the oil and gas business. I would have to say, you know, I, I deal with almost the major oil companies in the world right now. And I think that every one of them uh, has a, a ESG department and is looking very hard at all their options, whether they can, whether they can add wind, wind and solar or, or carbon capture or anything. 
Yeah, because they know they're going to be out of business in 20 years. Well, time. Yeah, yeah. They, they may. And, you know, and, and Shell and others are, are looking at, you know, can they invest in, you know, in other kinds of energy forms and, and that. And, you know, it's 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 a transition period, like I mentioned earlier. You know, it's I, I think they all realize, that, first of all, there's only a limited amount of oil left in the world. So we do need to transition to something else. But in the meantime, you just can't say, you know, we're not going to use oil and gas anymore because everybody still wants to drive their car and pick up their groceries or do whatever they're going to do. And you see what happens when all of a sudden, you know, somebody like Russia says, oh, sorry, uh, we're not going to give you any more oil and gas anymore. You know, yeah. what kind of havoc does that create, mm. you know? So, you know, you, you need to be able to have, like I said, a balance and you can't say, no, you can't have oil and gas because, Oil and gas that only not only does it run your car, but it also makes your plastics and 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 everything else that you use every day. You know, uh, yeah. everything you see in front of you is in one way or another comes from the oil and gas industry. So it's pretty ir irresponsible from my perspective just to try to turn the tap off and say we're going to ride around in horse and buggies again. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You know that narrative is quite strong in in this part of the world, so it's quite it's quite different how you how you see things over there. Um, before we go, um, I don't know if you have got kids or grandkids or whatever, but you know, yeah, yeah, both, both. So you look at the the future generations, right? And that's really kind of you know what you know. I'm in my fifties. I've been around. I God knows how many air miles I've done by flying around and enjoying myself. Um, and I think about my kids, and I've got a younger one and a slightly older one. Um, this is really now, you see it, you've, you've had it in, in North America, you've had uh, the, the snows, you've had the floods, you've had America particularly, you know, the, the massive bushfires, we've had an appallingly hot blast of, of, of summer here in, in the UK this year, and yeah. a lot of people are worried about all of that. Absolutely, we, do need to, you know, we, we need to change, right? We all need, agree that we, we do. You know, I don't. I don't think anybody has an argument that we don't have to transition. Right. Uh, I, yeah. I think that goes without saying. And you know what I'm really excited about is is the work that the UK is doing on fusion power. Yeah, because you know that really is a solution. I oh, mean, if you can figure yeah. out how to make unlimited energy uh through that yeah all bets are off isn't it that's it <laughs> it isn't because then what that does that allows that whole uh battery market and and battery powered cars it makes it to flourish right because then it doesn't matter you know you have very very cheap energy and you can power you can charge up your car and you can drive it around and yeah and, and this and that and, and unlimited energy gives you all kinds of flexibility being able to you know, uh, use it for uh, industrial production or or whatever, and then you can transition out of fossil fuels. Nobody nobody thinks that having fossil fuels is the way to go because we know. I mean, you just you just said it. You know, you're getting baked to death in in, in temperature in UK. And, and you know what? I'm looking out my window and I'm seeing smoke from all the forest fires uh, that we've had in Canada, we, mm, which we've yeah. had the last couple of years. You know, so yeah, the, the 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 environment is heating up, and global warming is something real. So, can we, in the meantime, can we capture the carbon using a technology like ours or or one of our competitors, and can we manage it in for the bridge? And that's my argument: is is absolutely we can, 
The technology is commercial. It's getting cheaper and cheaper every year. And, uh, and, and we, we have a, a service that we can provide. You know, we're not, we're not environmentalists. We're not, we're not anybody else. We're just a commercial company that provides a service to anybody who wants to reduce their emission. And that's it. Do you uh, fear that it's all too late? A lot of people are very doom and gloom that, you know, the cat is really out the bag and, and now we're never going to get to try and control the acceleration of warming. What's what's your view before we go of, of the Well, system? you know, I, I I mean, I'm not a scientist. I, I read the same things that you do. And, yep. and obviously the, I mean, they have like, you know, I'm going to the COP27 summit where they're mm -hmm. talking about those now, kinds of issues. How's it COP26? There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that is very important in everybody's mind. And it was part of Biden's uh, election campaign. And that's how he got elected was by saying, I'm going to do something to reduce emissions. Yeah. So it, it all, and all the major G8 countries all have their own programs one way or another. So is it too late? No, it's never too late. You know, I mean, the technology is there. We know it works. We know it's cost effective. We're yeah. looking at ways to make it more cost effective by providing ways that you can use CO2 in a commercial manner to offset your costs. And, uh, and then in addition to that, if you sequester the CO2, then then you can also generate carbon credits that you can generate more, more revenue from. And you, you talked about that earlier. That was another subject of, of one of your podcasts. Yeah. Uh, carbon credit business, you know, for all the companies. I mean, there's, there's a lot of major companies now that have stood up and said, we're going to be net zero by 2030. Of course, they're also well, you know how they're going to prove it. <laughs> well, not only do they have to prove it, but there isn't enough capacity anywhere in the world to be able to reduce all the emissions that need to be reduced yeah. uh, in manufacturing capacity. We, I mean, I, we need a I'm so busy, I would, I'd be falling yeah. out of bed. Yeah. You know, so all I can say there is, is that, you know, for those people that have made those commitments, that, that becomes a liability to them because people have invested on that basis. Yeah. So on that basis, you know, a carbon credit that maybe is generated from capturing CO2 is another revenue source for that emitter and uh, and that's just another one of those things that offsets their costs that they can sell to those guys and say, okay, yeah, those guys captured CO2, they sequestered it, and now I'm going to buy that, that carbon credit, and I'm going to say to my shareholders that, yeah, I'm I'm contributing to my reducing to net zero on my overall emissions. Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I think some real good food for thought. And if you've enjoyed this, uh, please subscribe to the podcast and uh you know give us your feedback because it's always good to know what's happening jeff allison thank you so much for your time today thank you very much it's been a real pleasure and thanks to everybody that is really one of the best explanations i've heard of carbon capture and if you've seen what's going on right now with our dash for gas thanks to mr reesmall um it'll become an even bigger player Plenty of things going on right now. We all know what's happening in the state of the energy markets, but there is more hope regarding the net zero strategy. So if you check out futurenetzero.com, you'll see the latest stories about Chris Skidmore, who's looking at the government's uh, new look, as they say, at net zero and how that will be affordable. We'll bring you much more on that. We'll hope to try and get an interview with him as soon as possible. Keep subscribing. There's a uh, weekly email coming out now about this podcast. So please uh, have a look at that 
we'll bring you other things that we think are relevant and I'll catch you next week. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Sumit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.